Hey guys, it's DJ Jesse Janity, and I want to tell you guys a little bit about TrueCar. TrueCar is changing car buying forever. TrueCar helps car buyers get rid of the fear that they might overpay. Just in the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. And TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com to find out what others paid for the car you want. Then, register to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Just print out your savings certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Some features may not be available in all states, but to see how much you can save on the car you want, simply download the True Car mobile app or visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Into the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello and welcome to an all-new UFC AfterBuzz TV. My name is Daria Baronado and I'm here with a new panel today, Mr. J. Tan as always, and guest Mr. Michael Bell. He is referee and judge of MMA all over, uh, mostly in California though, right? Pretty much in California, but yeah, a few other states he, besides California. Yeah, he's actually been a referee to a lot of quite a few UFC matches, right? Uh, judged a... Uh uh, five UFC events, uh, refed and judged probably five or six Bellator events, refed a World Series of Fighting, and, uh, California has more, uh, fight, uh, fight shows than any state in the, in the country, you know. Um, you could probably add most of the Mist West, all their fight shows, and it still wouldn't meet up to what California, uh, puts together. So we're definitely the fight state. In uh, in the United States, for sure. So you're definitely in the right place to get work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Most people know, um, of course, the you know the big Johns and Herb Deans of uh, of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, I'd say, is is possibly one of the uh, the leading guys of what I'm going to call the second generation of refs. There's a new, um, of course, there's always new guys debuting and and gaining experience uh, on the local fight scene but mike is one of john's uh, big john's uh, preeminent uh, proteges really uh went through big john's command program uh re- for refereeing and officiating and uh has has really led the way and over the past couple of years has made made his name at least in the california circles uh, certainly as one of the more uh, more reputable uh judges uh, and refs, and I should say that actually, you're you're known more for uh, for refereeing than judging because you'll you'll get on camera on, on those moments. <laughs> uh, I've seen you also in you know World Series of Fighting and a couple of shows on Access TV, but um, yeah, Mike is is one of those ones that's kind of leading leading the way for the next generation of refs. Absolutely. Uh, what was the most recent uh, UFC fight that you judged? Uh, the most recent UFC fight was uh, in August. Uh, it was the uh, T.J. Shaw versus. It was supposed to be Henan Barao, Bahau, and then uh, you know, of course you know he had his incident with his weight cut, so uh, Soto stepped in. Right, Joe uh, Soto. Yeah, and uh, one seventy eight, I believe. Right, I, I believe so. Yeah, is um, that a fun one to to judge? Uh, you know what? It, it for uh, as Joe Soto, you have nothing to to lose. You you get the fight on a day's notice right and you know if you lose you lose if you win you beat the champ you know what does he have to lose so he goes on there and he, he you know he, he fights his heart out and you know obviously dillashaw won and dillashaw controlled but um joe soto you know came in there with all the intents of winning and it was you know uh a fun show that you know ended up being a fun show when all the things that led up to it you know were you know probably not what the ufc wanted yeah, um, but at least right. they got a main event yeah. and, and a decent one for yeah. it. It wasn't like a quick 
flash finish or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, he definitely hung in there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get more to your story later on. We're going to talk about whether he has the best or the worst seat in the house. But first, <laughs> let's dive into the main event. Uh, it was UFC Fight Night 57 in Austin, Texas. Edgar versus Swanson. Uh, let's start at the bottom of the main card here. We had Matt Wyman versus Isaac Valley Flag. Uh, unanimous decision win for Matt Wyman. Then we had Joseph, Joey B, Joseph Benedidez versus Dustin Ortiz. Joey B won. Uh, unanimous decision, unanimous decision as well. As well. Yeah. Then we had Jared Rochelle versus Aleski, the boa constrictor. Aliniac. Aliniac. That's what my guess is. I think. <laughs> That's what we're going to go with. Aliniac <laughs> uh, won. Is that unanimous? No, it was no, a no, left no. hook. It was a KO. Uh, KO in the first. That was when the, the two heavyweights came out and full force and and were just swinging away. That was actually quite uh, quite a fun one. I mean, it's it's interesting because this was a show that when you look on uh well, the, you can fin- finish up the results, but uh uh-huh. quite quite a lot of bang for your buck in, Absolutely. in some ways. Absolutely. There was uh, a lot of decision victories, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you mean. said nonetheless they were entertaining, very yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Um then we have Brad Pickett versus Chico Camus. Uh Chico Camus won via I didn't write down split the result. decision split, split decision mm-hmm. 29-28 no I'm sorry it was 30-27 29-28 and then 28-29 I believe okay um, and then Bobby King Green versus Edson Barbosa probably one of my favorite matches on the on the mm-hmm. main card uh, Edson Barbosa won 30-27 mm-hmm. unanimous uh, decision unanimous decision and then Frankie the answer Edgar versus Cub Swanson definitely delivered for a main event uh, it was Frankie Edgar with a finish, four minutes and fifty six seconds into the fifth round, guys, it set a record. Um, mm-hmm. It was a rear naked choke finish, first of all, but it set a record. It wasn't the closest finish to the bell, but it was the closest finish to the bell in the fifth round of a fight. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, the latest stoppage, I believe, technically okay. we're speaking about rounds. If we're including, you know, the number of rounds right uh, in, in that criteria, closest to the bell or closest to the. Closest finish to the end of a fight, I guess you could say. Right. Uh, or latest. Latest is the phrase that they used because it was round five as opposed to round three or round so. Round three, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I was saying, it's um, it's one of those matches or one of those cards where, I mean, there's a lot of really compelling great rounds. I think that's probably the best way to phrase it. There's a lot of great rounds on this show. You're going to be in front of your TV for quite a while, but – it was – you get bang for your buck, and especially because it was free. That that doesn't hurt either. But uh, you're going to be – you know, it's worth looking for the replay because there's a lot of decisions. But uh, – and then quite a few of them are actually uh, pretty close. Um, I had uh, I had some debate uh, at least in the uh, – well, the prelim matches. I had two, two that I think did not go the way – oh, didn't go the way that I scored it. Um, and then you you know the split decision with uh, with one punch and uh, Chico the King there, um, which I it was pretty straightforward to me. I didn't really think it was much of a split, but uh, you know I didn't either. You, you at least had some some good compelling drama up to the end, and everyone really left it in the cage in there. You know even the heavyweights that first round knockout Jake Rochelle, I'm sorry Jared Rochelle was really taking it to him. Came out swinging uh, hard and uh, and was controlling Alexi. You know, for a good part of the beginning of the round, but then yeah. Alexi um, was able to break off, and in the middle of the cage landed a uh, a right left combo that just dropped him, and followed up with uh, followed up with punches. That to being the said, I think it was maybe the most entertaining Rochalt that we've ever seen up to this I'd point. I'd say that, yeah. I, mm-hmm. We were remembering back to his fight versus Saul Palele, mm-hmm. and um, not that it was bad, but it it, it wasn't. As aggressive as we saw Rochal in right. this fight, so um, yeah, he was like a rhino today. He was, and Full it's, force it's that thing with heavyweights: any punch could be the last punch. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that you know, say it had went to decision, Rochal was doing good. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that fight? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Rochal was came out super aggressive, um, throwing punches, knees, and had uh, Alexi on the defensive pretty much the whole fight until he throws that combo, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, like I said, the left or the right landed, but then the left was the one that just took him out and knocked him out completely, face first. 
Just goes to show you, you anything can happen in the sport at any really moment. It really can. Uh, do you like being in there with those heavyweights or? Uh, you know what? To me, actually, heavyweights are the, the easiest ones to referee. Really? Um, you know, you have typically, uh, uh, heavyweights, either the fight ends quickly or it becomes a long fight where they labor and they gas and, um, they move super slowly. Um, in which case, you don't have to worry about yeah, being, yeah. being on your toes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. this is an easy shift. Um, you know, people, uh, the the aesthetic exp- uh, appearance of uh, a smaller referee with with big fighters, you know, they're like, oh, he's too small. He's he's uh, he's not going to be able to control the fighters. I mean, if if you're a good referee and you explain backstage what uh, what the rules are. What you look for, right. what you're not going to allow, uh, and as long as you establish that backstage, most fighters are going to respect that. Especially professional fighters, this is their job. You know, if they don't, especially in the professional level, you know, you can earn a suspension, and if you can't, you're suspended. You can't fight. You can't earn a living. Right. And uh, the let's be honest, the pay you know, for most fighters is paycheck to paycheck when it comes to fights. You know, absolutely. So um, it's important to keep. Keep the the honor and integrity of yeah. the whole process, especially yeah. officiating. I mean, if they're not going to listen to the ref, who are they going to listen yeah. to? Yeah, and I mean, uh, most for the most part, you know, they've all come up with martial art backgrounds. Most fighters are in general are respectful. Yeah. Um, they, they of course they're going to compete hard, but afterwards, that's the great thing about our sport. You know, after the fight's over, they show respect, they shake hands, they hug. Um, you know, you would you know as aggressive as our sport is you know it's probably some of the best sportsmanship that you'll see after most fights. i agree martial mm-hmm. arts just gives you that discipline especially when you mm-hmm. start from a young age um like bobby green and edson barbosa i think they were praying after the fight together they were on their knees and had yeah. had a moment there so and that, that was one where um we, we saw in that match you know bobby was seemed to be playing a lot of mind games and uh, the trash know. talk, the panter back and forth. Yeah, so. yeah, as is his style. You know what else, um, too? A similar uh, incident to this uh, Matt Wyman and Isaac Valley Flag, apparently, a little bit of storyline to, uh, to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Wyman, I heard Wyman in the, uh, I believe it was the post fight press conference, he was explaining, because there was some, uh, some bad blood and tension, mm-hmm. uh, at least at weigh ins and going into the match. Um, apparently, there was some kind of misunderstanding. Wyman. Uh, had overheard something that Isaac Valley Flag had said, or uh, uh, or or thought that he had said rather, um, at which he took personally and, and brought into the cage. And right. you know, certainly after, as we saw right after the third uh, third round bell when the match was over, you know they were still uh, kind of popping off at each other. It looked like there, uh, and then towards the end, uh, afterwards, and he come back from commercial. And after the announcement, you know, they're shaking hands and, and talking to each other. So apparently there was some kind of uh, misunderstanding. Some kind of misunderstanding that led to some nice, you know, heat and great, uh, subsequently great action in the, in the match itself that ended up getting squashed by the end anyway. Right. Have you ever been in there and the, the two fighters just had a lot of, like, emotional tension during the fight? Oh, yeah. There's uh, – even in the local scene, there's, uh, there's a few fighters that uh, – you know, maybe it's a rematch and there's a little bit of rivalry and there's, you know, some buildup and trash talk. Right. You know, um, and part of it is hyping the fight. But sometimes, you know, everybody's got feelings and feelings get rubbed the wrong way and um, the emotions come out. You know, maybe someone uh, gets the finish and wins and then, you know, rubs it in to the fighter. And then, you you know, you've got to be the separator as far as oh. the refer- long as the referee, too. It's not often, but it does happen. Right. Uh-huh. How is it being in there with that? Is it? Uh you hard know, to deal with, or uh, if you let it become hard to deal with, <laughs> yeah, 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 good yeah, answer. Yeah. That sounds like a big John answer, quite yeah, frankly. It does, <laughs> well, uh, John's got you know, John's got a much more menacing appearance, and you know, when he speaks, you know, it's like most fighters are just like, okay, I understand. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah you know, I'm never gonna say that I've got that presence that John has, but at the same token, you know, John teaches everybody, every ref that this is your cage, and you have to establish that you are in charge of that cage um, as a referee. It's not a bully tactic or anything, but you have to let know that there's the line in the sand and the rules are yeah. there and you're going to enforce them. Absolutely. The it's authority. for safety yeah. in general, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the uh, um, about going through the process. Now, I, and, and I should say as well, I was thinking you know, you've done a lot of uh, our UF MMA shows as well, yeah. probably since the beginning, I would think. Um, but 
from from working on these little shows, going through John's system, which is very uh, very intense and um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, precise, and- precise, yeah, and very hard to get through. To working your way, working on local shows, and then building your way up to larger shows. How does that whole process go? Well, uh, John, I believe, had his very first uh, officials class in 2007. Um, hmm. It was a, a referee and judges one put together. Um, and I think there was like 20 of us that signed up and only three of us passed. And I was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in 07, we didn't have amateur MMA. Um, and to get a pro license without ever having doing a, a fight, you know, sure. unless you, you know. Unless you've got friends that are helping you along the way, you know that's not going to happen. But uh, and it, nor it shouldn't. But uh, once Camo came around in two thousand nine, California State Amateur yeah, uh, Amateur MMA, MMA organization MMA organization, um, uh, I uh, ran into JT Steele, um, asked if him, told him that I would be interested in in participating with Camo, uh, that I had taken John's course and. Uh, had passed it, and um, he talked to John and, and confirmed it, and uh, had me start off as an inspector. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the guys that check the hand wraps and um, the ones in the cage with the fighter. Yeah, in between rounds, that are you know observing the fighter and walking the fighter to the cage. Um, so I started from there, and then uh, started judging some fights, and then actually took John's course again because John had advanced mm-hmm. his course. Uh, to give more, much more detail to to being a referee and actually some more cage work. So I I took it again and I passed it again and then started refereeing for Camo in 2010, late 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, any show I could get on, you know, even if I wasn't assigned as the referee, I just volunteer myself and ask, mm-hmm. hey, can I can I get a few fights in? Um, or the same when guys were sparring at the gym. It's just like, hey, do you mind if I come and uh, mm-hmm. work a few rounds with you and referee? And most fighters are going to be like, yeah, that's great. You know, um, you so, really just kind of stick yourself out there and input yourself in the community and make your your face and your presence and name known. Is that, is that fair? And it starts to snowball from there. Uh, that's a fair assessment. And at the same token, you know, uh, experience is the best tool that anybody mm-hmm. can get. And the, the more that you get in there. The movement of of walking as a as a referee, uh, understanding certain positions, understanding certain fouls, and where they're most likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, that you don't really have a, a in a fast fight time to think and analyze and break down. It's it's got to be a reaction. It's got to be instant a lot of times mm-hmm. in decision making. And, you know, indecision looks bad in our profession. So. Um, the more that you practice it and uh, are able to instantly react and make the correct decision, uh, the better you look as an official. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot of pressure goes into judging and refereeing uh, in our sport. Would you say that you prefer to ref or, or judge a fight? Uh, I prefer to ref. Really? Is uh, it because that that lack of pressure, a little less pressure maybe? Um uh, there's pressure. There's actually a lot of pressure in judging. Uh, there are some close rounds where, sure. like, you could argue. Absolutely. Uh, hey, you know what? So, uh, red corner uh, did some damage, but blue corner really did something effective in this round. And it's like, oh man, it's a toss up. And and you don't get to sit there with an instant replay or yeah. talk about it after the no. match. You know, uh, after you know that bell or horn rings, the other you know, especially in the big shows, the other ref is right behind you to pick up your scorecard. So you don't really have time to think about it. You mm-hmm. have to make that decision. Right. And um, as a judge, anybody can write a, an even score, a ten ten score. You rarely see that score. Right. Um, it's your job to pick a winner of that round. Um, so you have to be able and in a five minute round uh, break down everything. You know, sometimes there's a lot of going on, grappling, striking, uh, different things, and decide who's the winner of that round. Right. And uh, like he's like Jay said, you don't have instant replay where you can. Oh, I wonder if he really connected with that punch. You have to make a decision. Right. That they, uh, a job I would never want. <laughs> yeah. um, we had Big John in a couple months ago, and we talked to him about you know the scoring system and where MMA is now in terms of judging and refereeing. And he, of course, has his complaints as a lot of people do in the MMA world. 
Um, I'm wondering where you think it is and do you see it changing in the near future and what would you like to see change? Um, as far as the scoring, um, uh, definitely our, our fights are three rounds and five rounds. Um, that's n- and you know three rounds. You know, one round can determine who wins and who loses. You know, right. in boxing, you know, you have usually like around ten rounds, twelve rounds for the big serious fights. So, if a guy's clearly winning most of the fight, most of the times, you know, they're gonna be the deserved winner. But uh, you know, in a close round in MMA, you know, and maybe one round goes to the other person and one round goes to the other fighter, but that close round which is hard to de- decipher and maybe it's not as wide of a margin as maybe uh, a clear and decisive round. Right. Um, but yet the, you know, a, a fight like maybe uh, a, a George St. Pierre versus Johnny Hendricks is a good example. Mm. Right. You know, um, you could say St. Pierre won his rounds and when he won his rounds, you know, a close margin, but the rounds that, Hendricks won two and four were decisive, overwhelming. Like it was clear cut. He he won that round and won it by a large margin. Um, that's probably where we're evolving to in the sport is crediting uh, large margins versus short margins. You know, right. and uh, using the the ten eight round uh, more often is probably where we're going as far as scoring MMA uh, fights. Uh, there's a, been a lot of fights, and maybe like, maybe it's only five percent of those fights of the total fights. But certain fights where a fighter does much more effective techniques, whether it's striking or grappling, um, but gets a ten nine score, whereas maybe the other person just got a takedown and just held and got a ten nine score. Right. Um, there's of course several fights. You know, maybe like Machida versus Quentin Jackson. Uh, maybe even mm. BJ Penn versus George St. George St. Pierre won. Um, there's uh, f- fights where um, one round was clearly one side and decided. Maybe Vera versus Couture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been a victim of it myself. Uh, we're so used to scoring 10 9. Um, 90, probably, I'd venture to say 99% of all our rounds are scored 10 9. And there's some decisive wide 10 9s and there's some short 10 9s. Giving more credit for uh, winning a round by a dis- large margin, especially when the other fighter is doing nothing offensive. You would make that a 10 8, mm-hmm. if I understand correctly. Yeah. So the idea being 10 8s become more frequent. They become what we would all assume right now is a, a 10 9. But in the close ones, where we say, ooh, that could go either way, 10 9. That's the 10 9. That becomes a, yeah, 10 9. You know, if someone wins by a, a significant margin, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, that they, that should be a ten eight. They should be given credit for that round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're in control of the whole round, maybe they're landing strikes, but they're not finishing the opponent. But mm-hmm. the other uh, their opponent is doing nothing offensive. Like the fight we just watched right now, like uh, Cub versus Frankie Edgar. Mm-hmm. Like look at rounds four and round five. What was uh, Swanson doing? those last rounds offensively. He was on his back the whole time. Yeah, he was right. yeah, damage. He was getting dominant. You know, that's an example there of, you know, Frankie should deserve a 10-8 round for that. Right. Um, he was in complete control. Uh, Cub did nothing offensive the whole time. He was defending the whole time. Yeah. And we don't score defense. Defense is in itself. You're staying in the fight. Right. So that Very should not point. necessarily earn anything. Yeah. Which means that Frankie should get that much more uh, credit for it. You know, and if it was a three-round fight and maybe uh, that was the last round and maybe uh, one and two were both kind of close or maybe both rounds, just for example, let's say, you know, Cub won the first two rounds by a close margin, but, you know, then Frankie has a round like that to finish the fight. Mm -hmm. You know, he should get credit for that. Mm-hmm. They can't all it, yeah, I understand what you're saying. They can't all be ten nines mm-hmm. when you look at, you know, Frankie Edgar's rounds and you're like, Oh, he wiped him clean mm-hmm. and then you look at Cub Swanson's rounds and go, oh, Cub won it by this much and then you look at the scorecards, ten nine, ten nine, ten nine, ten nine you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And yeah. it's a very close fight on paper, but to the viewers watching it, uh, you know, it's a it's a clean slate. So I think that um do not you, all ten nines are built alike, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a very good point. Absolutely. Do you think that if you were to establish a new point system going towards what you're saying, do you think the fans would understand it more, or do you think it would become more complex for a fan to see see it how the judges do? 
Well, uh, the 10-point must system was transitioned from boxing. Right. It's a lot easier to score in boxing because if you get a knockdown, that's an automatic point that gets subtracted. And it's, it's just punching. Yeah. You're not looking yeah. at all the yeah. other aspects of the You sport. know, so like when, when someone gets dropped in, in boxing, um, all the judges pretty much score it. 10-8, you know, as long as they don't drop their opponent back. But mm. it's pretty unanimous. I, I believe the statistics, like 80 to 90%, all judges agree on that. Mm. You know, in MMA, it's very rare. It, it happens maybe like 5%, if that. Right. Um, you know, it's it's much more subjective. So it is uh, difficult uh, to establish a concrete criteria. It, it is subjective, and it does come to the experience of the judges to understand what's a close margin and what's a wide margin and what's the level or threshold of a wide margin where uh, it ventures into the 10-8 realm. Um, the basic thing I could give you is, you know, if if someone's in control of that round and winning by a large margin, if, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Fan at uh, the house is saying, wow, this guy is dominating this round he's not finishing the, the fight the fight's still going on but he dominates the round he should get credit for that as a 10-8 right it's a really tough thing i would think to for us to get over the hump this this mentality a new new way of looking at, at the judging uh, criteria mm. and it's a tough thing to get over to casual fans that one already think they know the sport you know <laughs> two um Having to kind of motivate them to open their mind up to think differently and, and maybe even force them to think in a more educated way than that they do now. You know, when people are so used to saying, this is a 10-9, 10-9, 10-9, ah, this sport is easy. I understand it completely. You go, no, Pinhead, that's a 10-8. 10-9 is going to be something you'd see in a Diego Sanchez versus a Gil Melendez kind of thing, you know, or back and forth, you know, either way. Yeah, you know, it's uh, – like I said, it's subjective. Um, at the same token, um, there's so many variables in MMA as far as scoring mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, any fans that educated, that's not the case. But there's a lot of things to look at. Um, at the same token, uh, scoring in MMA goes to – I gotta say, it, it's subjective, and mm, I lost my train of thought here. But it's all right. <laughs> it, it's our, it, it's a tough thing, it, especially it, given how many different disciplines there are. Yeah. Um, but between takedowns and jujitsu, I mean, what do you think is the trick to to educating the fans or the or, or training uh, new referees or rather judges? To, to understand fully the, the three dimensions of, of MMA, how do you do? How do you get that over with them? Well, our top two criteria are effective striking and effective grappling. Mm-hmm. Um, effective grappling, or effective striking for most people, they can see the results. Right. You know, the the punches, especially if it's on the guy's yeah, face. Yeah, if it's on the right. face. Um, effective grappling uh, for some people, they think that being on top is effective grappling. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a close guard. And uh, for those that understand, like, just because the guy's on top, but if the guy on the bottom is going for submissions or is attacking, mm-hmm. um, maybe doing the better strikes. Um, we talked about, like, the Tony Ferguson, uh, Danny Castillo yeah. fight. Um, uh, even though Castillo's on top, Ferguson is the one that's being aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's dictating the fight. He's the one that's going for finishes or submissions or strikes. Right. And that uh, plays to speak to his control and aggression in the match as well as technique because he's going for it, right? He, he's going for it and he's doing the damage. He's mm-hmm. doing the the effective strikes from the bottom. He's doing – he's going for submissions and uh, in certain points forcing Danny to fight his fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so as opposed have, to Danny controlling yeah, how the fight goes. You know, whereas like when Edgar uh, and Swanson and Edgar is on top, Edgar is throwing strikes. Edgar is going from half guard, trying to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does pass in the later rounds to to, to mount. Um, sometimes he just actually stays in half guard and triangles his legs because he knows that's a very controlling position. Mm-hmm. And he can throw strikes there and it's much harder for a 
for Cub to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. I mean, Cub Swanson is a high-level black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he stayed on the bottom for majority of those rounds and was getting just beat to death by mm-hmm. Frankie Edgar from half guard. He eventually moved to mount, but that wasn't until the later rounds. Yeah. Um, I think another thing with judging and, you know, and refing, you guys have those, those cage side ringside seats. And a lot of the time you can see, okay, you know, that strike hit him flesh on the face or, you know, that takedown was amazing, whatever it is. But when you're sitting in the stands or you're watching from a TV, mm-hmm. What to you guys is uh, maybe an inaccurate flurry of you know thirty or forty punches with a couple landing on the TV could look like oh my god you know Frankie Edgar just hit Cub Swanson with thirty amazing punches and you're, <laughs> yeah. and you're in the cage going uh, only about two of those hit mm-hmm. so I think that's another thing that that may be hard uh, for you know the casual fan or someone sitting from a distance yeah. is able to see it's a very different uh, different view when you're that much closer right. Well, there's pros and cons to it. Um, with any combat sport, for most part, there's three judges and they're in three different sides. Mm-hmm. Um, at the UFC does supply uh, TVs uh, for their judges to look at. Um, most promotions don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do get to feel, um, you can hear mm-hmm. and feel the impact of strikes versus um, maybe on TV you don't necessarily see how effective they are or, how, or the the impact, you don't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some cons as well, too. Um, sometimes the angle where you're sitting at and uh, where your seat is aligned, um, you know, the mm-hmm. octagon is an eight-sided cage, and uh, if, if for the judges of the UFC, there's one good, real good judge's chair, and then there's another one that's lined up with either, like, the cage door or poles. So there are some times where you have some little blind spots. Luckily, they have mm-hmm. the, the TV there to help out. Uh, but you know, the same thing with Bellator. There's times where you have to lean on your seat to, to peek around to see if uh, the fight's going to end. Plus, they're 30 feet uh, foot-sized cages. Right. Um, so if the fight is ground and pounding on the other side of the cage and the you know the guy that's doing the ground and pounds back to you it's sometimes hard to see if the the punches are landing um yeah it's you're you're stuck in that position where yes whereas on tv you get to watch it and you're always getting the best angle yeah that's a good point yeah so i mean sometimes that's why and i'm not trying to defend any judge but uh if one judge has a, a certain score, maybe that's different from the other judges, um, maybe on a certain round and something like that happens. It could be because of his view. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's it's interesting to think that our sport is still so new and there's still so many things that have yeah. yet to be perfected. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, other sports that we watch on television have been around for centuries. So I think that MMA uh, you know, might get to a point where we perfected the judges' seats or something like that to to really make it a fair playing game, or you know, improve the the scoring system, or you know, mm-hmm. change the ten point must system and stuff like that. Do you see it uh, as a constant evolving sport that will get to a point where maybe things are more clear cut? Well, uh, I think anything, anytime you have uh, subjective thinking, there's always going to be opinion. Uh, so right. I mean that that it's probably always going to happen when when it comes to judges' decisions. But um, as far as evolving uh, as a sport, uh, I'm all for it. Uh, it should be encouraged. Uh, if you look at the big uh, pro sports like the NFL mm-hmm. or uh, the NBA or NHL, um, the NFL is a great example. You know, every year they have new rules that they bring out. You know, some good, some bad. But uh, they're always looking to better the process and uh, put out a better product um, for their fans. Um, I just had an idea. This is what we'll do. This is the step that I think we should go because technology is is playing a big part of – the uh, the evolution of our sport, you know, instant replay. Tell the world, Jay. Well, here's the plan, okay? Uh, for better judging, what I think we will end up doing is probably we will still have the three judges. They will actually wear helmets covering their eyes and <laughs> have maybe maybe even no loudspeaker or nothing so they don't have to hear. It'll be ambient sound pumped into their ears so they don't have to hear the crowd. They're not influenced by it. But what are they seeing in the headphones here or in the uh, the helmet? They're the seeing fight. nothing but the fight. Exactly. The that feed. So you can cut to different little angles, right? So you can always get the best angle based on the the TV feed, right? And so it's completely unbiased. And on top of that, 
if you think about it, you watch a good sci-fi movie, and like there's that those those situations where somebody is being judged, maybe it's sports or uh, you know in like some giant futuristic court of law. What do you always see? The judges there are like in these like robes. They're straight up. They're serious. You know, not giving any expression or anything like that. And they've got some kind of weird weird ass headpiece or or gear on that. That's the money shot right there. That is it. It's helmets. Helmets are the thing that's going to improve MMA judging. <laughs> that's like saying you should wear masks to play poker. It takes away. But it's allowed. Part of it. Oh, that you know that pisses me off too. Quite frankly, when you see the guys with headphones like us and and, and a hoodie and sunglasses, they're allowed to play poker in the World Series. I was like, who let the Unabomber to the table? What's that about? <laughs> That all, I never understood that. No, you should strip that away. But again, there's there's a difference because that guy is a player. He's involved in it, and there's no judging in poker. You either have your hand or you don't. You know, right? But these are the judges. These are the objective or opinion. <laughs> or if you're gonna go really futuristic and bring up sci-fi, yeah, maybe they'll have little like rotating seats that like. You know, can float and they can go. Oh, and so you see judges spinning like, all around <laughs> this cage. <laughs> Helicopter them or like, you know, take them above the cage, uh-huh. go down and they can go around the cage on maybe like a little track. Right. And this will be finally the time that we can actually they, start hey. to implement our, our Davies' original idea about the moat and the piranha. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Electrical fence. And the barbed wire on the top. Yeah. Yeah, but our, those rotating seats would be, you know, oblivious to all of that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they have it on the voice. You push a button, this, the chair turns around. Really? Like America? I watch The Voice. Are you kidding me? Hello? I got to cover f- uh, a minimum of five hours of MMA bl- per weekend. I'm watching The Voice. Blake Shelton pushes a button when he likes the singer's voice, and yeah. the chair whips around. And okay. it shows him. That's why it's called The Voice, because uh, you can't see oh. who's singing. Your, your back is to them. It's, you know, all the judges. Do you know about this? Uh, I've seen that part, but okay. I, yeah, I haven't watched that. <laughs> I think you knew that. Yeah. It's Adam Levine and Blake Shelton, and they're sitting, their backs facing the singer. I didn't know that they didn't watch the singer as the yeah, singer. Yeah, and they're listening okay. to the voice, and if they like it, based on just the voice alone, they hit their button, and it turns them around, and they're either pleasantly surprised with what they look like, or... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. They're always happy, right, guys? Um, so they do have that technology to make chairs move in circles. So now all they have to do is put it on a train track, like, you know, you put it on your Christmas tree. We're just one step ahead from that. Tis the season. <laughs> and one step behind. Yeah, and then, I mean, if they can't make the chairs float, which would be awesome, then they could just put them on little, you know, tracks going Oh, up. yeah, kind of like the uh, the skyscraper, that uh, slingshot thing in, yeah, in yeah, Vegas. Yeah. yeah, just a giant pole for them to go up and down. Yes, or like the, the drop rides. What do you think, man? Are you afraid of heights? <laughs> uh, I'm not afraid of heights. Uh, okay. I've skydived before, but... Strap uh, up, buddy. I don't know. If, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want my judge's seat going all around. <laughs> it's like it's like. Oh no! I just went all the way up here, and now the fight's over there. Yeah. Down over. Yeah. They'd have to make the hydraulics on that thing. This is like a mix of Tron and Star Wars here. I like it. Me too. With Star Wars, it should just be a hologram. You have like oh, there little you go. nano <laughs> machines flying around. They're recording the fight, mm-hmm. and then the judges can just be stationary and move the hologram around to see the best positions. Even like even like turning it to be like they're on the position of the guy who's on the bottom. Ladies Brilliant. and gentlemen, we have, gentlemen, we have just reinvented MMA. Thanks a lot. Great for great for uh, listening. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Jay Tam. Okay, wait, I want to, uh, did you see the prelims or no? I didn't see the prelims. Okay, well, if you guys didn't see the prelims either, go check them out on Fight Pass for just nine ninety nine a month. Uh, <laughs> Specifically the Fight Pass prelims you're talking about, right? Yes. The, the prelims will be replayed on uh, Fox Sports 2 this week. Right, but uh, the, the, the two Fight Pass prelims, uh, Juan Pugh versus Duhu Choi and Paige Van Zandt mm-hmm. versus Kaylin Kieran, both really exciting fights. The yeah. first one, Juan Pugh versus Duhu Choi, ended super quick in the first round. Yeah. Uh, a wicked overhand right by Duhu Choi mm-hmm. ending it early. But then Paige Van Zant versus Kaylin Curran. Now, these are two strawweight contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, as you guys know, we do our Wednesday show of The Ultimate Fighter, which is the strawweight sh- season going on right now. These two women were not on the season. Uh, Paige Van Zant, because of her age, she's only 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wasn't which able lo- to get on into the house. Right, because there's alcohol in the house, which she cannot consume legally. Uh, so, and then Kaylin Curran just wasn't on the house for whatever reason. Uh, she's a Hawaiian native. They. It was match. It won match of the night. Let's just say it. Fight of the night for them. Brawled um, it out for mm-hmm. three rounds. Yeah. 
And Paige Van Zant finished it with an amazing uh, TKO finish on the ground there in round three. Yeah, Paige really brought it. There was a lot of hype behind her uh, coming into this match, and she delivered, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, going into the match, all I knew was that Caitlin Kieran had a wrestling background mm-hmm. and that Paige Van Zant was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that told me, based off of paper and statistics that okay maybe okay. Paige is going to keep it on the feet you know right. and Kaylin Curran is going to be wrestling her to the ground maybe some clinch work mm-hmm. against the cage that was not the case uh, Paige Van Zant looked amazing against the cage uh, 90% there was a lot of the fight of was against work. the cage right? yeah there was a lot of clinch work against the cage however it was exciting clinch work against the cage Paige did an excellent job doing dirty boxing and we could dare say dirty Muay Thai. She was uh, <laughs> landing landing knees to the head in the clinch. Uh, brutal, some elbows brutal and uh, uppercuts and stuff. Yeah, really doing great. And then um, for her credit, uh, Kaylin, you know, challenged and, and got some uh, some nice trip takedowns as well off the cage. Um, but then Paige would, would get into – she would get on top. Um, v- very scrappy fighter. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, a low weight class, uh, but – they were fast, they were quick. but they were dogged, and they did not let go of each other for, for most of the match. No. Really, definitely worth going out of your way to, to find this one, mm-hmm. and especially with – I think we'll see a lot from Kaylin in the future, but also Paige Van Zandt is going to be a name to talk about you know, in, in just a few, a few weeks once Ultimate Fighter uh, 20 is done and these girls are now fully – just straightforward UFC fighters. You know, right. she's going to be in the mix. In, uh, I'm in that so top curious to see where uh, the girls that weren't on the house and the girls that are on the house mm-hmm. mix in with each other. Because yeah. it's kind of like you have them in two different worlds. Like we were saying, uh, the performance that Paige Van Zant put on was, you know, everything on the line, super, super, super entertaining, uh, putting it all out there. Whereas sometimes when you're mm-hmm. in the Ultimate Fighter house, for some reason or another, you kind of reserve for that big fight. Mm-hmm. And and the fights in the house don't always, you know, they're not all KO finishes or submission victories mm-hmm. like we've seen this season, a lot of a lot of decisions. Yeah. But um, so I'm excited to see them mix in. We were talking about Rose Namajunas versus Paige Van Zandt would be like the ultimate that be, match. That would be a dogfight for that sure. That would be so much, uh, yeah, so much yeah. fun to watch. But I'm excited to see in the coming weeks where, where the rankings go with these girls. Yeah. The other two performance bonuses or the performance bonuses of the, of the night went to Frankie Edgar, of course, for quite a one-handed uh, a dominating performance. And mm-hmm. Alexi Aliniak for finishing uh, Jared Rochelt in that first round. That uh, well brutal KO that we were talking about. Um what do you? What did you guys think? I'm, I'm curious for us to talk about some of the other ones. We we mm-hmm. saw quite a few decisions. Um, it's funny. I Bobby Green versus Edson Barbosa in the co-main event. I you know I've, I've watched the show twice now. Uh, yesterday I was at a buddy's place and mental note to myself: try not to watch MMA events or, or judge them. Rather, take notes on them. Amidst two dogs, an infant child, and a couple of buddies, <laughs> a couple of buddies chatting it up. One of whom has nothing, you know, no interest in MMA. So he's his mental head is oh, his no. head's over here. Yeah, because uh, I, I saw I judged, I gave that to Bobby Green, and then in the, watching it more focused today, you know, it really was Edson Barbosa's night there. Was there alcohol in Bob J? Actually, believe it or not, there was not. <laughs> there was not alcohol involved in in watching this show. I think I, I know what it was. I tend to do a bit better, actually, when I'm at a bar watching alcohol. Because I just tune out all of the uh, all the Weekend Warrior sports fans and I'm just watching, you know. Right. So. Well, I, I think I know what it was. You also watched Metamorris, uh, <laughs> Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, yeah, the Pacquiao fight. You watched about nine or ten hours of uh, martial arts of some sort yesterday. You had a fight overdose. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I, yeah. But this was the middle chunk. So, you know, <laughs> Metamorris was fine. That's a, an excellent show unto itself. You know, if you really want – guys, if, if, if you want to appreciate or, or learn to appreciate the real tactical stuff of ground fighting and, and submissions and grappling – do yourself, uh, do yourself a favor and, and check out Metamorris. Rory McDonald of the UFC uh, had a fight there. Excellent and show. And a couple it's, others, I think, that, yeah, well, from the UFC. The, uh, Sakuraba and Hoist Gracie. Oh. Talk about uh, – I'm sorry, not Hoist. It was Henzo. Henzo, Henzo. pardon me. My, my bad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, to see a legend like Kazushi Sakuraba, you know, live in, in this day and age, you know. A um, lot, th- lot of fun. It's, it's kind of – I'd call it like the tennis of combat sports. But, I mean, in, in, with all respect and in, in the good way. But. I think it's an important thing for uh, martial arts fans of any sort to watch, especially if you like MMA, because 
it'll really help you understand when the fight goes to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of misunderstandings to this day, I think, with gra- ground game because it's always evolving. Right. We have so so many different types. I mean, you have the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which is forever evolving, and then you have, you know, uh, Eddie Planet. Bravo with his yeah. 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu that a lot of people, even, you know, referees and judges, I think, have a hard time deciphering his moves because he's constantly making up new ones. Uh, do you, would you agree? You know, you definitely have to understand uh, the techniques of, of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu to uh, um, understand where uh, a fighter on the bottom who's got mission control or rubber guard is going with their techniques. You know, maybe there's not a lot of activity going, but, you know, he, uh, the fighter's got mission control set up and is maybe setting up an Uma Plata. Um, you definitely have to understand that technique uh, even though there's not a lot going on. He's got a, that fighter's got an advantageous position. Um, over the other fighter. Over the other fighter. Yeah, uh, circa Alan Joban, uh, yeah, the last Morley UFC. El- if you want to see a fight where they're referring to exactly this, go and watch Alan Joban versus Eddie Alvarez. I think it was the no, no, second. No, 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 Worley Alves. Worley Alves, my bad. Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> uh, that would be interesting. Uh, no, but that was uh, the second round where he had mission control, I believe. Yeah, second round was the, the debating point. Yeah, he had uh, – Alan Joban had him in mission control from the bottom and – you know, that was the deciding round of the fight. And even though there was some, you know, some scraps standing up before they went down to the ground, mm-hmm. you could still give it to Alan Joban if you understood that kind of jujitsu going on on the ground. So go and take a look at it. Yeah, I haven't seen that fight yet. But, uh, you know, I've uh, officiated some fighters from uh, 10th Planet that have some pretty good uh, ground game from the back right. on the ground and uh, have pulled off some. Uh, Actually, I've seen some Gogo Platas from some 10th Planet guys in oh, yeah. Bay. Oh, yeah. Actually, at one of your shows. I, I was going to say Benjamin Sample, yeah, I think. Yeah, I was sitting there, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And uh, no, This was even earlier. This was like one of his, the, the, the Avalon, show? I Yeah, think. the Avalon yeah. shows. Oh, okay. I, I remember, yeah. oh, he's going for a Gogo, and I saw his opponent like turn the wrong way. I'm like, oh, ooh, that's deep. <laughs> and he tapped, you know. Yeah. Gogo he didn't Plata. have to worry about judging on that one. Yeah, that was, nah. I think you were in the cage for that. I was you? reffing that one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Before we wrap it up here, we got to go pretty soon. What was your fight of the night on this main card? Uh, well, uh, for me, I, I enjoyed, uh, even though Barbosa put on a, a great performance, uh, Bobby Green versus Barbosa. To me, um, the high-level fighting, because I know, I've seen both fighters, Bobby Green's uh, boxing is very slick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he can get into his opponent's head with his talk and, and, and put on a show. But uh, Edson stayed uh, focused, determined, disciplined, um, fought his fight. Uh, which is, you know, leg kicks, uh, combination punches, um, and pretty much had Bobby off kilter pretty much the whole night. Right. Um, Keeping the distance. Yeah. I mean, Bobby likes to to fight in his his orthodox boxing stance, sometimes with a shoulder forward, and he uses athleticism, and he did avoid a lot of strikes. But the leg kicks, as you could see, were starting to wear on Bobby to where he had to – Bobby had to square up and and fight like almost like he was in a – a wrestling match, you know, squared up, you know, a combat jiu-jitsu stance almost. Um, and uh, really took Bobby off his game, even though he was, you know, vocalizing that, like, oh, that didn't hurt, that didn't get me, you know. Yeah. You could see he was cha- his his slow breakdown to where he couldn't do where he wanted to do. He couldn't throw his combinations. Uh, the leg kicks were getting to him. Strikes that you've never seen landed on Bobby before, like that spinning back kick in the second round. You know, Barbosa is one of the fastest guys I've seen throw kicks in the cage. It's mm-hmm. just his uh, his ability to just snap that way uh, that leg like a whip and just hit hit uh, his opponent's legs uh, and and that spinning back kick to the back of the head. And even in the third round, it was a kick to the body, but just the force of it knocked Bobby down. Right, mm-hmm. that roundhouse to the right. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember them coming. What about you, coming. Jay? You know, I'm I'm looking at my notes here and. Uh, Brad Pickett versus Chico Camus was, uh, had a lot of action back and forth. It did. I don't think it was, uh, I, I gave it, you know, to, to Chico across the board, but, uh, in, in terms of, uh, best fight, that really was super competitive in terms of it being just even keel 49-51, you know, right. in terms of percentages. Um, Joe B versus, uh, Dustin Ortiz, I think he, um, and cemented, but he further he kept maintained. Maintained. You can the only right pick word. one. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> right about that. Mush mouth over here. He maintained his uh, his standing at number two. You know, um, not sure what what happens next for him, but it was a great performance. Um, Wyman and Isaac Valley Flag also 
very uh, very back and forth. So you had some really competitive matches here. You know, um, Edgar and Swanson, I think, really was uh, it, it was in the right place in terms of placement on the fight card. You know, that's a match that uh, Frankie is certainly well known for his time. As a, as a UFC lightweight champion previously, Cub Swanson's a guy that had a lot of heat behind him coming up with a pretty long uh, win streak. And, um, you know, it was uh, – those guys were coming to loggerheads, so that was the, the right one for this this whole thing. And these are other guys as well that we have might have heard a little bit uh, from – I'm t- speaking from perspective of casual fans, you know. Edson Barbosa, Brad Pickett has been around. Right. Um, Joe B., of course. Um, you know, it's a, it's a chance for them to – to have a fight and, and further establish themselves as we close up 2014 and go into 2015 and say, what's the lay of the land of UFC fighters? Mm-hmm. Well, here's a show where we, we've established some of them. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Frankie Edgar versus Cup Swanson. I think it delivered all around. I think it was entertaining. Uh, I love Frankie Edgar, not just because he's a Jersey boy, but that's part of it. Um, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> that helps just a little bit. And Edson Barbosa, of course, as well, uh, versus Bobby Green. Super mm-hmm. entertaining. I like the Bobby Green trash talk a little bit. Not gonna yeah. lie, I'm a little Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz fan as well. So see, that's as we were talking about last time. It's you delivered. Know, it's you don't. You just got to tap into who you are. Hey, it's fun. I'm the fan. Add a I eat the popcorn. I buy the tickets. Yes, it gave it to me. <laughs> uh, Jay, where can we find you on social media? I'm still at JTan seven one six across the board. Um, I won't be here this week. So to everybody uh, watching the Ultimate Fighter show, <laughs> yeah, on, on Wednesday. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Looking forward, Mom, to uh, some home cooking. But just remember, uh, Bobby's the one that likes the bloody chicken combs. I don't like them, so no need to make extra, okay? Where can we find you on social media, Mike? Oh, uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, oh, I don't know what the address is. Just Your like, Twitter is David, Mi- David Michael Bell for Facebook. Yeah, Twitter is Bellion. Um, B-E-L-L-I-A-N? Yeah, right? I'm half Armenian, so <laughs> I put the I-A-N on it. David Michael Bell, you just Google him. You can find him. He's a referee and a judge everywhere. Uh, or at your local MMA show in, in Southern California. Uh, you can find me at DariaB28 on all social media. You can find my new Facebook page, Daria the Jersey Devil Baronado, uh, to follow my fight career uh guys we will see you on wednesday for the ultimate fighter every episode is getting more entertaining so don't miss this one see you guys later from executive producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire AfterBuzz tv staff we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz tv network to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.